Welcome to Sparks, a podcast from Ignium, designed to help you reignite your passion and drive your business forwards. Today, I'm delighted to welcome George Anderson. George is a friend, a running partner, and in business, he's a well-being and performance coach. He's got some fascinating ideas about how to make people successful, including yourself, because after all, people are at the centre of every business. He'll share his insights on building better physical and mental well-being through the use of his DASH principle and how using that and other tools can help yourself give permission to relax. George shares some amazing ideas which I believe would help you build the asset in your business which is you and your team. At the end of the show, as usual, we've created some great podcast notes and referenced some of the books and podcasts that George believes will really help you up your game. Enjoy the show. And as always, please send us your comments and notes and leave us feedback at the end. Okay, so welcome. This is the Sparks by Ignium podcast. And today I am privileged to be speaking to my friend, running partner and all round good person, George Anderson. George described himself as a well-being coach. And I know we're going to be talking about lots of things other than well-being and including well-being because George has been around doing coaching, doing running training and various other things for many years. I've known George since about 2008 or 2009 when we talked together and uh, we joined Toastmasters similar time. So George, well-being coach, what is a well-being coach? What is a well-being coach? Well back, back in the day Phil, back in the uh, when I got into the game about 2000, 2001, uh, you were called a health and fitness professional back in the day and uh, oh, actually I came into it as a personal trainer so that was my my first experience um, into the, the the fitness industry, the world of well-being, and I think over the years, certainly over the last ten years, it's very much evolved to this word well-being or, or wellness. If you're over in America, I think that's their preferred descriptor. And kind of, I guess I like it because it's more holistic. It's not just about health. It's not just about fitness. And I've definitely come away from the running coaching, the fitness coaching, and although all that stuff is still important and a part of what I do. It is definitely much more holistic now, which is the right thing, the right move, I think, for the, the industry and the world to move in, because it brings mental health. It brings, I, I think it also encompasses things like performance. So I, I differentiate the two, well-being and performance coach. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's more of a holistic approach. Yeah, I like that. And, and, and it's interesting because, you know, you and I have talked about doing this podcast for, for some time. And for those who have been listening to the Ignium Sparks podcast, you know, we talk about a lot of things around growing the value of a business. But at the end of the day, businesses are made up of people. And it's the people that bring the business to, to fruition and, and create what it really is. And in fact, at this moment, I'm listening to the Steve Jobs biography. And what I realized there is there's the people at the center of it, the people with that willingness to want to do something. And I often talk about businesses being founded on purpose, but actually the thing around it is, is building a foundation around talent, capability, and culture. And you've got to have the right people on the bus, as Jim Collins talks about. So when we talk about you know, that holistic view, when I come into a business aspect, I talk about leadership, and I talk about resilience, and I talk about values and belief. I wonder, what have you seen over the last 12 months as we sit here in March 2021, 12 months ago when, since the UK started into this pandemic and the world around it, what have you seen with regard to people and that holistic nature of leadership, George, in your, in your travels? Well, I think you've got leadership of how do you lead other people, but, but a big part of leadership, Phil, I think is how do you lead yourself? You mentioned there about values and really values 
when we know what they are, gives us a framework to make decisions, to, to which you know, leadership requires decision-making. So values is a really important part of that. But so too is the way, not just we spend our time, but the where we pay our attention to and paying attention to ourselves. I, I think this is a really important part of self-leadership because if you don't have the energy, if you don't have the... Uh, the ability to support the, the the mental stress, the emotional stress that we're we're under, and all been under a lot more of in the last twelve months, then I think it's a lot more of a struggle. Of course, it is possible to be success, it's successful. It's possible to lead others to to make good decisions, even if you don't take good care of yourself. I just think that it's easier to do all of those things if you also have the physical energy, and it feels better as well. So over the last 12 months, I think people have polarized in terms of the, the direction they've gone. Some have used the opportunity, especially in the first lockdown with all that lovely weather we had, to, to make some big changes to, to their lives and to the way they take care of themselves. And, and others have kind of gone the other way and perhaps started off with good intentions. And, and for one reason or another, there's no, no judgment here. It's just an observation that maybe have slipped into some habits that haven't been supporting the best uh the, the best health and, and it's interesting because i think we've seen this in in the business community where there's some businesses who are who are thriving through this pandemic they've done amazingly well and there are others who have fallen by the wayside and, and if we look back 12 months ago we saw a lot of issues around people worried about what's going to happen because their customers were staying at home their staff were furloughed and, and there were lots of talk going around about the big changes and people talk about how do we how do we come out of this and back it back in march 2020 you know we didn't know how long it would take and here we are march 2021 there's still lots of big changes going on so Anna, what's what have you seen with regard to the things people have done you talked about paying attention to yourself to manage your emotional and mental states what what have you seen people have actually done realistically to get themselves into the right physical and mental state to manage themselves through where we are at the moment well, I think some people have, uh, as, as we've said, sort of been swallowed up with some of the, the extra time that we've, we've gained from not commuting, for example, of, that, that's been swallowed up by more work. Whilst some have taken that time and they've really begun to guard it as this is my time, this is my opportunity to exercise or to, to cook healthy meals at the end of the day, for example. Um, and I think those two things are great examples of what some people have done. Uh, getting into an exercise habit and a healthy eating habit. Now, they're, they're not the, the entirety of holistic health and, and well-being by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a pretty good starting point. I think for most of us, if we, if we could make some improvements in those areas, then it would make a big, big difference. For me personally, exercise has become so important, not as a means to an end. I don't think it's ever really just been a means to an end for me, but it's, I've usually had some kind of goal that I've been working towards. Whereas the last 12 months, for me and for quite a few other people that I know, and actually this is one of the things I've been teaching quite, quite uh, <laughs> strongly over the last 12 months as well, is you use exercise as an energizer. I mean, it's something that gives you that energy, gives you that vitality, boosts your resilience. Because you can have all the mindset strategies on the planet, but unless you have that physical energy, then it's really difficult to avoid those osodic moments when... You know, you know what you should do, but you just can't do it. So exercise for me has become a really, really important part of that. I need to take care of myself. And, you know, there's, there obviously there are, there are goals and there are benefits to other 
benefits of taking care of yourself as well. But the major thing has been how I feel on the day to day. And I think that's one of the things that I've seen more people doing. I had a really nice message actually on that subject from somebody literally just this morning, messaged me over LinkedIn. Uh, he's, a, he's an avid networker and spends all his time, works for a bank, but spends all this time out organizing and attending networking meetings. Lovely guy, um, quite quite big guy, full of life. Anyway, he we had some we, some stuff we were doing together. I presented at one of his events probably about um, 18 months or so ago now. And he, he messaged me today to tell me, just basically to say thanks. It was such a lovely message to get. It was really made my day. Um, and he said, look, George, I, I don't want this to sound the wrong way. I haven't got a man crush to you or anything. But he said, look, I've just really been kind of inspired. And actually, since I last saw you, I've lost three stone. I've changed my exercise habits, basically from doing nothing to regular exercise. And I, he said, I've started eating well. And I've just started to give a monkeys about my about how I look and, and how I feel. He's still taking care of himself. And, and the tone and what he was saying in the, in the message, just it was just the next level up. It was just amazing yeah. to kind of hear that. And I could just imagine uh, how he's feeling and also what some of the comments are going to be from people yeah. who know him and haven't yeah. seen him for 12 months. And he's transformed me. Three stone. That's a lot of weight. That's amazing. You can't hide that. You're gonna, people are going to notice that. <laughs> and you know what I love about that as well is there's a thing here about, um, you know, as you said, you feel better in yourself if you if you feel healthy, you feel mentally with it. Um, and, I, and I want to talk to you about some of those things because I have a view that you know, people turn up to work and they want to do a good job, but if they're not mentally and physically fit, they can't do the job that they really want to be doing. Um, and, and when we're talking about engaging staff, a lot of the work from Ignium is about engaging people so that they, they want to be working with you, but they, they engage around a purpose. So they come to work for a reason and they engage around your purpose and their own levels, but they also have, they share similar values. And I think this thing about, you're talking about the gentleman losing weight, he obviously feels better himself. I wonder what it's done to his mental attitude in turning up to work. And obviously you can only speak speculatively about that, but I wonder what, what do you see in people who have made that shift to do something with their lives mentally? Well, I, I think it's, it's immeasurable and it's, it's definitely noticeable. Like you said, I've, I've only got that, that message from him but I could tell by the tone and and almost his apologetic nature of you know I, I wasn't sure if I should send this or not because it might sound a bit weird but he, he really wanted to to say something and, and you don't do that if it hasn't made a significant difference and you know I, I said John thanks for for letting me know it makes me feel really good that I've been a, a part of that journey but ultimately he's done the work and he, he hasn't had to wait until he's got to the point that he's lost three stone in order to start feeling better so I know from the clients that I've worked with what a difference it makes not just to lose weight, which I think is a very short-sighted approach to take. It's not the lens through which we should be looking at health, fitness, well-being, and so on. It, it's the how you feel every step along the way. If you have one day where you do a bit of exercise, you move around a bit, and you eat well, you feel great. Whether you're three stone overweight, 10 stone overweight, or the right weight for your height, or whatever, it doesn't matter. If you're eating well and you're moving, then that makes a tremendous difference right now to your performance. I, I talk about dash for performance. Um, when I was a personal trainer, people would come and they'd say, George, I want to lose weight, turn up and get fit. What, give me a diet, give me an exercise program. And it was all about the long-term stuff. Like eventually I'll, I'll lose weight. Eventually I'll be able to run a 10K or um, I'll have the, the body of, 
of, of my dreams. And, and it's all stuff in the future, but let's make these sacrifices and compromises now, and then the goals are, are there in the future. Whereas now, what I'm really trying to promote and, and share with people and impress upon people is this whole idea of, when I say dash, I mean diet, activity, sleep, and hydration. They're, they're the four, or four, the kind of the main pillars, if you will, for physical well-being. It's not the be all and end all for all of well-being, but for the physical stuff, if you can make some improvements to your diet, if you can make some improvements to your activity levels, not just exercise, they put in training for an hour a day, sink around your backside the rest of the time. You've got to be moving regularly through the day. Make some nudges and tweaks to your sleep quality and quantity and simple things like drinking a little bit more water, getting more hydrated. If you do those things and then connect them to how you feel now. And I've, I'm, I can guarantee that that uh, this chap will have been feeling better along the way as every pound's come off and as every day's gone by that he's had another good food and good exercise or activity day. And, and it's the same story for so many of the people that I've worked with over the last couple yeah. of decades. I, I love that around that connecting to how you feel now, because I think that's one of the key things. Just want to just to backtrack slightly about you, you, the, the DASH acronym. I love that in terms of diet, activity, sleep and hydration. Um, and I've got some loads of questions around what that could mean. And you mentioned that, um, you know, that's just not for it's not just for physical well-being. And I wonder, there's some bits in there if you take that word activity and break that apart, because actually there's lots of activities we could be doing to maintain our mental well-being as well. Um, and you've done a lot of work around this as well. And I wonder, can you talk to any of those other things that the activities we can do mentally to help us come out in the way we want to be coming out as a, a, in a full life to do the things we need to be doing? So do you mean the kind of activity, physical activity things that we should do, but aren't just exercise? Yeah, I think it, I'm thinking more about the, you know, I suppose what's on my mind is things like meditation. Oh, I see. Because right, you talk yeah, about activity, yeah. but I think of activity as being, you know, the meditation side as a way that, you know, you and I, you and I both run and we do other physical activities, but there's yeah. other things we can do, which are, you know, if you can't get up and run, what else can you do to boost your activity yeah, levels? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, I will answer that question, but let me answer the question that I want to answer first, which is things that aren't activity, because actually when people say, what's the best form of exercise, which is a question I've often got over the last 20 years uh, as a trainer. And I think people expect me to say, oh, you should take up running or you should do kettlebells or you should do hit. Uh, and, and actually my answer is always walking because all those other forms of exercise are great. But if you're not doing anything at the moment, I say, right, you know what, you've got to take up marathon running. That's often too much for most people to, to, to comprehend or to take on. Whereas, you know what, we, we can all go out for a 10 minute walk or a 15 minute walk at the end of the day or at lunchtime um, or first thing in the morning. That, that, that's the easiest and for mental health and well-being, probably the most beneficial as well wow. because it's, it's repetitive, it's almost meditative. So there are some real benefits there to the headspace that that yeah. creates. Yeah, now on to yeah. the question you actually asked. <laughs> I'm going to come back to that question as well. <laughs> I always get around in a circle here. Um, so the question you're, you're, you're actually asking, what other activities can we do? And yeah. I think we need to be careful because there are so many things that we could do. And it's very easy to tell ourselves that I should be doing those things. Yeah. And yeah. you cited things like meditation there. Meditation is something that took me a long time to get into because uh, I had this whole pressure I was putting on myself of, I should be able to do this. Why can't I 
empty my mind for, for 20 minutes and, and sit here in silence. So I was really struggling. And then I, I sort of reined it back in. I took a much more of a, a bite-sized progress, not perfection approach and, and gradually got into it. But it was only when I took that pressure off. Now, if you've not done anything like that before and you tell yourself you've got to be meditating for half an hour, um, journaling, another really good activity. You start, I'm going to meditate, I'm going to journal, I'm going to do some Wim Hof breathing exercises every day. Um, I'm going to practice gratitude. I'm going to, you, you, you have all these things that you're going to do. And it, all of those things can have a tremendously positive impact on your mental health, on your performance. They're all things that I recommend. But if you go from a standing start to try and do all those things for throttle, it's overwhelming. And you end up just giving up on them and then feeling bad and reinforcing that story that, nah, that ain't for me. Yeah. There's a really big point around that, isn't it? Because this, this shooting, shooting ourselves, should, should, should. Shooting all over ourselves, yeah. <laughs> it's something that we often talk about. And I, I hadn't thought about that from that perspective of the meditation or the journaling or, or the gratitude diaries, because it does take time to do it and it takes a habit. And you mentioned habits earlier and, and you and I both are, are fans of James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, and, and you talked about that in the past. But I think sometimes we see other people doing things and we think we should be doing it like that. Mm. And I wonder what's come out of this. And we're coming off track here a little bit where I was going to go, but I just want to ask a question. When people have been in this pandemic, we've seen other people doing things, mostly through TikTok, WhatsApp, uh, Snapchat, Facebook, all these other things. And I wonder how much of that has had an impact on people with regard to their activity levels, because most people have put out there all the activity they're doing, the Strava log showing how many miles they've clocked up this week. What advice have you got for people who are looking at those things, apart from the obvious, stop looking, <laughs> that could help them just say, okay, this is what I could be doing rather than should be doing. Yeah, well, well first of all, Phil, I'm, I'm impressed that you're uh, familiar with TikTok. I'm, I haven't even touched or ever looked at the platform before. And uh, every time we meet, you're talking about what your, your kids are looking at on TikTok. I think, you're a, I think you have your own account, don't you? You're watching it. You're doing it. You're putting the dances on. <laughs> hey, us 50-year-olds, we know where we're going. <laughs> but no, I think you're right. And certainly I, I saw a lot of this in the first lockdown where everybody and their dog was, was learning to bake and was you know, going out exercising every day and was all the, everybody was doing really good amazing stuff and everyone was, everyone was super happy if you were to believe the instagram life anyway and i think that's worn a lot of people down and we do have to be careful because it's very easy to say well i know that's not real life i know that not everyone's like that but you look at it and you still there's a part of you that thinks flipping it i should be doing more of that i i put a post up on one of my facebook groups uh three or four weeks ago, it was 11 o'clock. I was still in my pajamas on a Sunday. And I just thought, you know what? I've seen all these posts and people, it was a lovely day. I've seen all these posts and people who'd been talking about how they'd been out, they'd done been running, they'd washed the car, they'd done the shop. Uh, and I just put a post saying, who else is, is still in their pajamas? And a load of people, it was like one of the most highly engaged posts up in the group. Loads of us, yeah, me, me, me. And, and I think sometimes we just need to give ourselves permission to, 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 to do that, to, to not feel like we have to be doing everything all of the time, because it's impossible, it's unnecessary, uh, and actually it can be quite draining as well as we try and fail, try and fail. But to your point, to use those things as inspiration, which is really, you know, ideally that's what we want to be using it for, to see, oh, you know, I never thought of doing that. Maybe I, I could try that. But to, but to see how it maps into your life 
not just the, the, the ideal theoretical version of, of whatever that thing is, meditation, journaling, breathing exercises, just exercise in general, any of those things. There's loads of stuff we could be doing. We can never do all of it. So we have to decide what's going to be the highest value activity for me that isn't going to mean I'm on the go doing stuff every single waking moment of the day. And, and I think there's a, there's a whole lot of stuff in there which I'd love to unpack in terms of this inspiration because I think you know we if we're all in our own little world which we have been over the last 12 months we, we've all been locked down at home there's not many of us have been going out to work um, so sometimes our only outlet has been through the social media or through TV um, and, and I'm a big one for not watching the news because of the negativity that's in there but obviously I've, we've had to do it to work out what's going with the government rulings at certain stages but I think this thing about inspiration I think is key because if you see other people doing it, you can get that view to say, oh, I could try that as well. And I've noticed this, you, talking about marathons, um, I, I'm always amazed at how many people apply for the London Marathon in the few days after the marathon runs, normally in April. We know it has been April this last year, because people are inspired to do it. And, and to me, there's something around that word inspiration, which gets people going. So there is a goodness in some of those um, social media things. But I think the bit you mentioned there is about working out what's the highest value activity for us. And I think sometimes we also need to, to work out what's good for us and what's, what do we need to do to relax? And I love your thoughts about, you know, putting the post out at 11 o'clock in the morning, because sometimes I think we do need to give ourselves permission to relax, permission to let our hair down, just to say, I don't need to do this today. But sometimes that's tough when you're on a roll and you think if I, if I, you know, come back to your acronym of DASH, diet, activity, sleep and hydration, you know, if I have a, I use the word a bad day and I just eat trash I don't do any activity I get limited sleep and I sleep and I forget to my, forget to drink my water that can sometimes knock you backwards quite a bit if you're if you're feeling you've got to be on it so so how do people create that mentality to say yeah whatever the word is 90% I'm on it and 10% I'm allowed to just let myself slip is there a is there a balance on that that you can talk about yeah I think it's different for everybody and um the, the thing that I've noticed over the last 12 months for me personally has been how much I've needed to slow down because I'm, and I suspect that quite a few of your listeners as well, Phil, uh, I'm, I'm a self-confessed human doing instead of a human being. And I, I was finding quite early on around April, May time last year that I'd, I'd finished a presentation. So I'm doing, I've been doing a lot of training and, and, and uh, presenting to corporate audiences and I finish. And normally if you finish when you're in a room, then you, there's a bit of chit chat afterwards, speak to some of the delegates. And then you've, you know, you've got to go grab a coffee. Then you get in the car and you drive home and you're buzzing from it. And then you transition to the next part of your day. And what I was finding was I was finishing what I was doing, fully buzzed, fully energized, fully engaged. And then I'd close the laptop down and, there was this real discomfort with the silence that just crashed in around me because I just wasn't, I wasn't used to that. And I'd find myself immediately reaching for the next thing to do and jumping from one thing to the next without any gap or break or buffer. And, and I realized that that wasn't good for me because, well, first of all, I, we need to have those, those breaks that to, to create that transition. But secondly, I think more fundamentally, why was I so uncomfortable in that, in that silence where I wasn't getting any attention, where I wasn't in front of anybody, I wasn't connecting? I, 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 what was it about me 
and the needs that I had and what I was lacking in that in that in those days that I wasn't able to get that meant I had to distract myself from that discomfort so actually ironically journaling was one of the ways I used to to get to the bottom of that and I just realized I had to practice and get better at being comfortable in the silence without needing to every single moment of the day be doing something and it's made a tremendous benefit to me because now I'm much better at doing that I feel much calmer every day I write down three things that are how I want to show up and it's all connected to my values I want to be energized and engaged I want to be focused and indistractable and I want to be calm and centered I was writing that down because if I ever find myself getting drawn into the emotional turmoil, panic, anxiety, fear, worry, doubt, or my thoughts start going about all these things I haven't done yet or all the things I should be doing or could be doing, then I, I try to notice that and bring myself back to this central point that I'm okay, I'm doing all right. And there's a big piece around giving ourselves permission to do that. So I don't think it's such a balance of how much recovery time should we be getting versus work and operational time. I think it's throughout the day we need to be noticing when we are trying to distract ourselves and then questioning what is it I'm distracting myself from? Why do I feel uncomfortable in the silence? Yeah, I think there's a lot in there, isn't there? Because it comes back to that word intention again, that if you are, if you're intentional about your day, you can then go out and I use the word, it sets the context for your day. So, so I, I've just been running a course this last week for a number of people. Uh, and I was saying that actually, we all have the power to describe how we want our day to unfold. But we just have to make sure as soon as our feet hit the floor, as we get out of bed, we set that intention in our mind. With thank, I have the words that I'm thankful for something the moment my feet hit the floor. Because then it just sets me up for the right train of thought. And I love your thoughts there about the, the three things you want to be working towards. Because I think, I love that word about um, indistractable. That's an interesting one in terms of, tell me more about what does that mean? Well, it's, it's from a book called Indistractable by a guy called Nia Eel. N-I-R-E-Y-A-L, I think. And he, he actually wrote another book. I forget the name of it, but it was all about how companies like tech companies in particular design devices to be addictive and to, to, to grab our attention, to keep our attention. And, and uh, then a few years later, he's gone and written this book called Indistractable. And what I love about the word is that it's, it's like it's the, as he puts it, it's the opposite of traction. So we want to get traction with what we're doing, but we don't. We create distraction. And one of the there's there's so many great things in in that book. Highly recommend it. And he he talks about how if you don't know what you should be doing at any moment in time, then how can you say you're being distracted? You don't know what you should be doing. Hence, setting your attentions, setting a, a schedule of the tasks you're going to be doing each moment of the day, as far as that's possible, uh, with a bit of flexibility in there as well, obviously. But having like now I'm going to sit here for 60 minutes. I'm going to work on my next presentation. If I'm getting distracted, then yes, I'm getting distracted from the thing that I should be doing. But if I'm sitting down, I'm just going to get on with some work. And then I start faffing around on emails and then just doing a quick post on social media. And I realize oh, I'm just getting distracted. It's because I didn't have clarity on what it was I should have been doing. But he talks about creating traction. And, and the word for me, having read the book, just brings back all of these things and these ideas. I even have, um, I haven't got it to hand now, but I have a, what I call a stone of focus. 
So when I'm when I'm working on something, I set my I, I have the Chrome extension strict workflow. So I set that up and it sets me up with a 25 minute Pomodoro, 25 minutes where it knocks out all of my websites like news, social media, email, WhatsApp and things. So I can't get onto any of those for 25 minutes. And I have the stoner focus there. So anytime I feel that urge to quickly pick up my phone or to quickly check this, then first of all, I've got friction, which James Clear talks about in his book. So I've created friction, it's harder. I'd have to actually use a different browser or uninstall the extension. And I've got a reminder that yes, and this is what I'm supposed to be doing. It's only for 25 minutes. And then as he calls it, you've got to surf the urge, feel the urge and just let it kind of wash over you. And then you come out the other side and you're back on task again. I, I love that because I love this thing about this. I've not come across strict workflow um, before, but I love that thought. And you and I have talked about the 25 minute Pomodoro, Pomodoro technique. Um, this thing about creating friction to stop you doing it to lock down your other things so you can't do it because it's very easy for people to to suddenly think of something or maybe when i say people me to suddenly think of something and say i'm going to do that now and then something else pops into my mind, think i just need to do that so actually that piece around in distraction so you're focused on the context the reason you're doing what you set out to do and then you give yourself a 25 minute window and you do it and then you can make a new choice at the end of that 25 minutes to do something else but you've got 25 minutes to work through that's a, that's a lovely one. And, and one of the points I was going to ask you about is, um, you know, tricks for, for busy people, because we're all busy. Uh, and you mentioned just now this phrase, which I often use, you use the word human doing. Uh, and we often talk about be, do, have, or have, do, be. Um, come back to that, that human doing, because we are busy doing. And one of the things I've noticed over lockdown specifically is there is little distinction between home and work for some people. And in fact, most people have been working in their house or in their bedroom doing what they do. What have you put in place? What have you seen put in place, people put in place to enable themselves to stop at a point and do something different at the end of the day? Because this is one of the big things, I think, which causes mental activity for people where they take the work home with them literally and can't get away from it. Yeah, yeah. I talk about superstructures in a day, which are just any opportunity you have to stack some habits together. Um, and, and if you're interested in James Clear's work, then you, you're probably already familiar with Charles Duick's work as well. I think James Clear's stuff um, hooks off the back of, uh, along with all of his own ideas as well. Uh, but Charles Duick talks about the idea of habit stacking. So if you have, let's say you keep forgetting to take your um, supplements in the morning, then put them next to your toothbrush and then you stack the habit of taking your supplements onto the habit you already have of doing a teeth. So I, I bring this idea of superstructures through the day. Where can you install a number of different superstructures? For me, one of the most obvious and, and most beneficial for me is the morning routine. So I have my morning routine set up, that transition from sleep to wake or sleep to work. I have usually about an hour before anybody else gets up where I do do things like my meditation, some mobility work, some journaling, some reading as well. So that's where I do my own personal development for first thing in the morning. Um, and then I go out and walk the dog. So that's one of the superstructures, and it's just bang, 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 bang. I don't really have to think too much about it because it's a it's it's a stacked set of habits. But one of the other areas is where you were talking about here, the end of the day. And I did find that I was I was just sliding from work mode into home mode, and you know I'm I'm literally working out of my bedroom and walking out the bedroom door, and then the kids are around, and you know I'm cooking dinner and. <clears throat> there's no 
break or delineation. It, it wasn't that big a deal. It was fine. But I noticed that it was getting harder to switch off. And I think this is one of the other things I've heard a lot of lately. I said that commute that we used to have is being gobbled up by, I just do another 10 minutes of work. I'll just get a kick, a head start on tomorrow's to-do list if I spend the next 30 minutes that I would have been commuting. So, so the first thing is to recognize, like, when are you going to end your day and acknowledge that you'll never get to the bottom of your to-do list. There'll always be stuff you can do. And then to have a really simple stack of habits or a superstructure of things you can do to mark the end of the day. And for me, there are three things. First of all, I plan my day for the next day. The second thing is I pack down my gear. So I take my green screen down, I put the laptop away, unplug the mic, any lights I've had set up if I've been presenting, just tidy everything up and return the room to um, its proper use. Uh, and then I go for a, a fake commute, which has been, um, yeah, people have sort of talked about it for a while, last few months. I think I've been doing it for about six, seven months and it's been brilliant because it's just that I just go for a two two laps of the block, literally 15 minutes, pretty much work, almost walk straight past your house <laughs> most evenings, about quarter past, half past five when I've finished what I'm doing for the day. And yeah, grab the dog, grab one of the kids, and we just go for a walk. And of course, you get the little injection of physical activity, but you also get this opportunity to decompress, to shake off the day and get ready to move into the next phase so it's this real delineation between home or work and home and, and it stops that residual stress and emotion being brought with you into the home environment even though you're going from your front door back to your front door again and, and i think there's some lovely things around that in terms of just having that that distinction that, in that delineation between the two and i love your thing about planning your day pack down the gear and then that fake commute and i think that's a great one to do because you can just do it you can go for a walk just do something different um i, I want to like switch track slightly just come back to, to something you and i talked about recently so so you describe yourself as a well-being coach and one of the things we talked about was around uh, five ways to well-being and when you mentioned about your DASH acronym, I love that in terms of the diet, activity, sleep, and hydration. I wonder if we can just talk about five ways to well-being as a way to help us. Because when I, when I talked to you before, we talked about connection. We talk about activity, which comes into your DASH acronym. We talk about being present and then giving, but also keeping learning. And there's a few things there which I love. I mean, keeping learning is something I talk to. Uh, listen to this podcast about in terms of um, I use the phrase readers are leaders and leaders are readers those leaders are ones who are out there reading all the time but we often find that some people don't want to keep reading or they're not able to read in the way that they want to so I wonder if we can just talk to any of those five points to look at what would we do what could we do around well-being itself yeah the, the five ways to well I'm surprised actually that that hasn't had more publicity in the last 12 months with everything that's been going on it's been doing arounds for for years it's, it's old but but very very um powerful and beneficial and yeah you're right you sort of listed them out there first of all we can these are just five proven ways scientifically proven ways i always think if you put the word scientifically in front of something then it, it it gives it a little bit more credibility right it's not just this could help this has been proven by science but if we connect with other people that's one way that that just makes sense. I think that's why we've been struggling or so many of us have struggled so much because we've had a lot of those opportunities to connect taken away from us. So connect to give, not just money, but to volunteer, to give your time to 
causes as well to connect to something that's a higher purpose than just yourself for example uh, be active physically active we've talked about that already take notice as well which touches on mindfulness but here we're looking at noticing the things around you i, I love on my walks my fake commutes my dog walks looking at all those teeny tiny little signs of spring starting to spring and, and noticing the changes day to day and that's a that's a really simple way of bringing this take notice but the fifth way to well-being is to keep learning and and you're right it's it's not always the the best way you can or you you can't read reading isn't the best way for absolutely everybody and um, but there are a number of other ways to to do that you know right now we're talking on a podcast and i've only recently got into podcasts phil actually i feel like i'm well behind yeah. the curve next thing you know i'll be doing tiktok like you <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, that's what older people do <laughs> but um I, I started a podcast back in january so i've recently started getting into into it uh, a little bit more as well listening to others there's so much great information on podcasts and you can listen to it if you're on your walk not necessarily a mindful walk but you can it's still a great time to to listen to podcasts apparently here's something i heard and i only just got into it in january so i don't know if this is true or not but i've heard that podcast listening dipped in 2020 so the number of podcasts increased because everyone's got more time on their hands supposedly but the, the numbers of listeners and downloads dipped because one of the prime times people were listening to their podcast was on their commute. So I think that's a really good point, actually, isn't it? Because um, I listen to Audible as one of my ways for listening to things. Uh, and it's only in the last couple of weeks where I've started driving again to go and do things because I've needed to. Um, so, for instance, I've had an optician's appointment. I've had 45 minutes in the car to get to the opticians. I've had total 90 minutes round trip of listening to the, to the latest book I'm having, which is a great way of doing it. Um, I, I use the phrase net, no, no extra time. If you can do something, you can learn in that no extra time. So providing you don't go out for a mindful walk, you're going for another walk, you can actually listen to things as you're doing those things. Running is a great way of doing it, um, which is why I love 25-minute podcasts, because actually I know that I can nip out, do a 5K in 25 minutes, and it gives me 5Ks worth of listening time. Yes, absolutely. And I'll tell you another way, actually, something else that I, I really got into learning more about last november so in the second lockdown and this might be something that's that's interesting because it takes it takes what we're talking about here learning and you say readers are leaders and leaders are readers and, and it takes it often a slight tangent because i think the the assumption is that you've got to be reading and learning about industry specific topics or personal development topics but actually learning about things that are outside of your core area of expertise can 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 do a number of things first of all it doesn't matter what you're learning as far as mental health and well-being is concerned it's good for your brain to be doing this i interviewed a guy for my podcast a chap called gary garretts he's 98 years old i met him at toastmasters he joined toastmasters two years ago at age 96 because his mantra is use it or lose it and and the, and you know, he, he joined Toastmasters, he wanted to learn about public speaking, he's learned about all these other things um, as well along the way. But the idea of learning something that's outside of your core area of expertise, actually, it could also have implications to sparking other ideas, increasing creativity, because now you've got these other perspectives. One of the things that I started to, to look into last November was uh, gut health. And fermented food so it's kind of linked to what i do and i've managed to talk about it in my work and so there is a connection there's actually a huge connection between gut health and mental health 
But one of the things that I, I did to help me with that was as well as interviewing and speaking to a number of experts, I read some books and I some journals and reports and I, I listened to some podcasts on the subject as well. But because I was already cooking the evening meal most days, I used that as an opportunity to learn more about the food that I was cooking. As you said, no extra time net. I, I didn't, I was doing it anyway. I might as well understand a little bit more about um, the, the probiotics or the different nutrients in the food that I was eating. Hey, get this, Phil. Did you know that if you heat, as in cook, uh, potato or pasta or other starches and then cool it, it actually increases the number of probiotic bacteria, prebiotic, sorry, not probiotic, prebiotic. Yeah, so it actually increases the, um, the, the it's like rocket fuel for your gut microbiome. And it happens when you, when you, when you uh, cool it. So potato salad, for example, a great way of getting prebiotics into it. Who knew? And I went on this fermented food course and, and learned all about that. I said, wow, that's brilliant. And there's all these little things that, that I, I learned and, and I'm sure they're having an impact. And obviously they're helping with, with helping me and getting, getting healthier and you know, exploring new foods, new recipes and so on as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm win, 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 winning. Well, that one, Phil. Yeah, love it, love it. And, and you know that 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 thing about the the learning through different things. So so learning to do you're doing the cooking anyway, but then doing and experimenting with it. Um, and, and this gut health, you know, if anyone wants to go listen to that, uh, did you do that on your podcast? Have you talked? You about know, what? I haven't done the gut health podcast yet, but it's on my list. I, I'm I'm in two minds. I don't think I'll do it just by myself. I'm gonna I'm gonna get one or more of the experts that I've spoken to because I've done all these interviews, but I never recorded any of them because I wasn't doing the podcast at the time. So I'm gonna kind of go, you know, that conversation we had, Leslie. Could we have it again? And could we record it this time? <laughs> and and, and you know, there's a great great stuff in there because I think people want to learn about those things as well. And I think um, you mentioned about that link between gut health and mental health. I've been looking into this as well. And I, I wonder if it's, whether it's because as I'm getting older, I'm thinking about longevity, or longevity a bit more. Um, I listened to a great podcast from a, uh, a US doctor called Peter Atiyah, uh, and I must admit, somebody said goes over my head, but the bits I take away around how do you maintain and how do you grow your, your potential to live longer? And there's lots of things we can be doing as you go through your life to give yourself those, that potential just to do more. Um, and this thing about gut health and mental health, I think is really coming out in terms of looking at the different levels of, you know, we always thought the brain was just in the head, but actually heart brain and gut brain and how you can get that connection together. Um, so I think th there's a big piece there around for people to learn more. And it comes back to that well-being because you can learn more and then you can do something with it. So it's actually doing it for real. Um, the, the other thing I want to talk about as well is, you know, in terms of the keeping learning, you, you mentioned our Toastmasters. So you and I, been good Toastmasters. I introduced you to Toastmasters many years ago. You've kept it going. You're brilliant. And I'm just rejoining as a, you know, going back in as a rookie. Um, tell me a bit about speaking and what you can do with regard to your spoken word to learn more and how you can go about doing that to get more knowledge from yourself, for yourself. Yeah, it, it's funny. I, I've been doing a lot more speaking uh, publicly, professionally in the last um, the last few years, and it's accelerated actually in the last 12 months, mainly because of speaking on subjects like well-being and resilience and stress management and so on. Um, but one of the things I find is that you can know something, you can have an idea and you can understand it conceptually. And somebody can say, oh, do you understand about X, Y, Z? Oh, yeah, 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 no, I, I get that. I know that. But it's only when you're asked to describe it or to teach it to another person that you really have to 
you really own that knowledge then because you're able to articulate it. It's one thing knowing it in your bones and you know it yourself, but it's another thing to be able to say it and explain it. And what I found is that by speaking more, I've, I've learned more about um, not just kind of my own self and, and confidence and, and the skills that go with communicating from a platform like that, whether it's virtually on Zoom or, or on an actual stage, um, but but actually the the specifics of the things that that I'm I'm teaching, if I can't explain it, then it's like you know actually I don't fully understand that, and I'm going to go and find some answers um, so that I can teach it in in such a way that other people understand. Because if I'm not able to explain it, then it's I obviously don't have all of the pieces. So that that's really helped me over the years to. To, to embed that uh, knowledge and understanding with with the various yeah. subjects, I, I love that as a thought. There, as you know, that, that that if you need to do something, you're actually teaching it and getting that message out there. Uh, and one of the things that I always learn from Toastmaster, which I always take away, is distilling something down to a five to seven minute speech. And if you can get the key nuggets into that speech. It, it just gives you the ability to be able to convey a message really clearly to people. Uh, and one of the speeches you gave many years ago was about the memory palace. And that was a long time ago, but I still have that in my mind about how you can visualize things and, and place them in rooms and then go in through that room to come up with an answer, but actually to convey the message to someone else. And I think there's a big thing around that, around um, well-being, because you know, coming back to your, your conversation about Gary Garrett, um, I'd love to be able to get to 98 and be able to go to Toastmasters and give a speech for five to seven minutes with no notes. And there's the techniques there. And I think that's a great thing for well-being personally. Um, so, so let's just carry on this journey around the, the five ways to well-being. We talked about um, learning. We've talked about uh, we talked about connection, and obviously that's part of it. We talked about be active. I wonder if you have any thoughts around giving or connection in different ways. Anything that comes up to your mind on that? Yeah, I think the connection thing is something that, as I said earlier, I think so many people have struggled with because our usual routes to connection have have been reduced or taken away completely. And I think a lot of us now look at connection and we've almost gone the other way, too much connection in some respects and, and maybe too much of the wrong kind of connection. So we, we look to things like social media or WhatsApp message groups and, uh, and, and maybe feel like we have to be constantly connected because we're isolated, especially if you're living by yourself um, or you know, you're not spending much time with, with, with any other real people, um, then it, it can feel very tempting to just to be on social media all the time to get that connection. However, it's, it doesn't give you the depth of the connection. You might get the breadth, but you don't get the depth of it. And you know, we don't need, as human beings, we don't need hundreds of thousands of friends, connections to, to, to survive. But what we do need are a small number of people who we, who we trust, who will be there for us, to help us if we struggle, to cheer us on with our successes and, and who will challenge us as well. I think that's an important thing to notice as well, that, that people who will, will challenge us and call us out if we're, you know, in, in my case, believing my own hype or, <laughs> you know, you, you need people who are gonna kind of keep you grounded as well. And, I think that that's really important. And, and one of the things I found at the beginning of the, the first lockdown, again, I, I noticed some things pretty quickly that I was spending all my time just looking at the screen 
presenting and I was with people all the time, doing loads of stuff in my groups and online, loads of connection, fantastic. And I realized I wasn't getting any of the real connection that I had previously been getting. So I just reached out to a few friends and um, I think you might have been one of them, Phil, which had a virtual coffee, just had a, a bit of a, let, let's have a, let's have a, a catch up. Not worky stuff necessarily. We'll just grab a coffee on a Zoom and uh, and have a have a chat. So I just started booking in these these sessions, and um, that made a real difference. It doesn't mean you have to go deep, deep, deep into all the things that you're struggling with or you're feeling, but just to know that you've got that connection with somebody um, is really important. I think guys were generally worse at that than women, and one of the things that I've certainly said in the past is with, with some of my good friends, oh, we don't need to be speaking to each other every week to stay friends. We just pick up where we left off. But what happened was a year, two years, three years would pass. And then, yeah, sure, we'd pick up where we left off when we next saw. But then three years had passed and I hadn't had any of the benefits of that friendship. Yeah, I think there's a big thing around that, isn't there? The I set up a, a Zoom pub. So I've pre, prior to lockdown, we used to do circuit training every Thursday night. Uh, and the key bit there is we'd also go to the pub afterwards. <laughs> yes, circuit training. That's what you told Claire, is it? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> as, as someone once described, it's like going, like washing your car on a Sunday afternoon and then throwing a bucket of mud on it in the afternoon afterwards. Um, but to me, the, zoo, the pub was not about going for the beer. It was about the connection. So I set up the Zoom pub. And in fact, that's where I, where I really realised some of the benefits of Zoom back in March last year. So the pub is open from 8 o'clock in the evening on a Thursday night for the people in the group to come and join in. And there's normally six or seven of us there and we just have conversations. The conversation is actually just about that connection. And I think it's a big piece there. There's two bits I wanna to just touch on and we've only got a few more minutes left, but the, the, the question around um, building those connections, you mentioned about accountability and people holding you to account and challenging and calling you out. I think this is a big thing from a coaching perspective as well. Having someone else you can just pick up the phone to at the end of the day, Marshall Goldsmith in his book, um, What Got You Here Won't Get You There, says one of the best things you need to do for yourself is to find someone who will do that at the end of the day. They will pick up the phone and just have the conversation, George, say, George, you committed to do this. Where are you with it? And they're helping you understand what it is. And I think there's some big things there for people that we often don't have that accountability partner, which is why coaching at the end of the day, and we would say this because we're coaches, Coaching is all about helping people become more accountable for what they do and holding the mirror up to them so they can see, okay, that's what's going on for me. And I think there's a few things there which, which definitely connect in terms of um, helping people connect to themselves, help connect to others. Um, and we can rely on social media, but actually sometimes we do need that face-to-face -face time to really get us just to be part of who we are. And from a business perspective, I see this, and a lot of businesses have talked about not going back to the office but I believe we will go back to the office because people want that connection at some level in some way going forward. Here's a question for you. And this is, this is the, the way I often try and round off these podcasts. It's a bit of a the one that everyone else does, but I would love to find three things from you. The first one, a couple of top tips that people could take away in their lives to help them become more productive that might link into your dash or the five ways of well-being. Um, love to learn about that. And then also the follow-on question that is what top tips have you got for either books or other learning material you've come across which you think that would really just accelerate people's ability coming out over the next few months so two questions in one but top tips first okay top top tips um don't just have a list of what needs to be done but a schedule of when you're going to do it 
And uh, there's a lovely Stephen Covey quote that goes something like, if you don't schedule your priorities, you'll end up prioritizing your schedule. And I think so many of us are guilty of this. We book in meeting after meeting after meeting and our day gets swallowed up by other people's agendas and things that we have to get done. And we don't put in the things that are, are gonna be the, the, the important things for us on, on a personal level or on a, um, an, an energy management level. So exercise, taking a break for lunch, taking buffers in between meetings that fake commute at the end of the day, if you don't book those things in, they probably won't happen. So make a schedule, not just a to-do list. Have a to-do list, but then decide when you're gonna do those things and be realistic about how long each of those tasks is going to take. Um, and I am, uh, I, I can't believe that I've got so far into my career without having figured this out, Phil. I've literally only started doing this in the last, about the last eight months, I think I've been doing this. And it has transformed my productivity, my sense of connection to what I'm doing as well. And because every day I write down my schedule, I write down what training I'm doing, what food I'm gonna eat. And, and I write down, well, I, I told you about my showing up words. So they're the things I'm, I, I set my intentions every day alongside my plan. And I also write down something around my goals for the day as well. That would be my second tip connect the what to the why what you're doing here's my schedule because some of it might look a bit really that's not really very motivating i've got to write that report i don't really like doing that but then you connect it to the thing that you're working towards it's almost like that has meaning and purpose and significance and that helps with that intrinsic sense of motivation mm, i love that uh, i love that connected what to why and, and I, i'm a big fan of stephen covey and, if, and, and and the book is always on my desk so i'm now holding up the Article number one, seven habits of highly effective people to George. Um, I, I must be the only dad who actually bought this book for my daughter for her 18th birthday. I don't expect her to read it yet, but one day she'll read it and she might thank me. It may be many years time because I believe there's lots of tips in that book that are just so important that we, we all should learn. And like you, I probably didn't learn them early enough. So I'm hoping one day my 18 year old daughter picks up and says, thanks dad. Um, so it's so great tips. I love that. Schedule what you're doing uh, and connecting your what to your why. I love it. So let's carry on with the learning bit in that case. Books, podcasts, what have you, what have you listening to that's really got you going? Maybe you think someone could take away. And obviously, you do need to mention a bit of a boost in doing this. I will give you permission to mention a bit of a boost. Oh, of course. Yeah. So uh, the, the, the oracle when it comes to uh, managing energy and <laughs> boosting your podcast of motivation then yeah search for a bit of a boost on all good podcasting platforms um but but actually another podcast that i have been listening to quite a lot of recently well a couple one is um uh, by a, a lady called retrition well she's not called retrition that's the name of her instagram profile um but she runs a, a harley street nutrition clinic and uh, she has a podcast called food for thought rhiannon lambert that's her name just come to me and uh, so she's got some great episodes in hers, but also um, the, the lit feel, I always get this wrong around, Feel Better Live More podcast as well, Ronjan Chatterjee. It's, it's number one in the health and fitness and alternative health uh, podcast charts. It has been for a long time for good reason. It's fantastic. A lot of the gut health stuff that I've listened to, episodes that I've listened to have been through episodes that he's had on his podcasts with people like Tim Spector, for example, 
Um, so there's some really good stuff in there, um, not just for gut health, but for all, all kinds of things. There's some great guests. Um, and actually one more, I'll, I'll mention Elizabeth Day as well, which was one that my wife was listening to. And I used to keep coming into the, the other room and I'd hear it and I think, oh, that's actually quite interesting. It's called How to Fail. And she talked about, she has guests on and the, the three questions that they've been sent in advance are three times in your life that you failed. And then she talks about them. It's basically about resilience, Phil. It's really good, but some really interesting guests, some really interesting stories. And I just finished reading her book, Philosophy. Anyway, um, books, apart from Philosophy, I, I've already mentioned it. I highly recommend it. There's a ton of great books out there, but if you're looking for something to accelerate your results and your performance, I recommend Indistractable by Naya Eel. It's a really, really good book and uh, just packed with practical tips and advice and different perspectives as well. So if you do find that you struggle with getting distracted, difficulty staying on task or knowing how to prioritize where to pay attention, then that's a great starting point to help. Mm, love it. Some really good things actually. And I, lo I love that in terms of those different podcasts and books around it. And you know, at the end of the day, you're, you're someone who's living, I was about to say, a living example of putting what you do into practice. And also being able to send out your note at 11 o'clock in the morning and say, I'm still in my pajamas because that's okay <laughs> as well. Um, so, so George, yeah, it's been fascinating here talking about lots of different things here. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm looking forward to having another conversation with you to talk about some other things which have just triggered off in my mind. So uh, if I'm lucky, I'm hopefully you'll come back and uh, be a guest again later on because there's some other questions I'd love to ask you. But we've covered lots of things there. We've talked about um, your DASH principle. We've talked about your morning routines. We've talked about the five ways to well-being. Uh, some great tips as well. So thank you very much. It's been a privilege talking to you and I look forward to seeing you soon. Cheers, Phil. Thanks, George. So that concludes this episode of Sparks. Thanks for listening. We're always looking for ideas on how to drive this podcast forward. So if you've got comments, please leave them via a review of our show along with your rating or send us an email to sparks at evmconsult.com. Thank you.